Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a weekly podcast that will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. O my Jesus, I offer this day for love of Thee, for the conversion of sinners, and in reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That very simple prayer, I added the word day in order to make it fit for the podcast, but it's called the Sacrifice Prayer, which was taught by the Blessed Mother to the three children of Fatima, Francisco, Jacinta, and Lucia de los Santos. Today on this podcast, we'll be hearing from Father Francisco Pereira, who is one of the chaplains at the Sanctuary of Our Lady of Fatima, and he'll be sharing with us about the message of Fatima and what it means for us today. So I thought it would be fitting for us to begin our episode with a prayer from the lips of Our Lady herself. Now let us turn to our trending Marian tweets and topics, and this week I'm even going to add another word, reads. So these are trending Marian tweets, topics, and reads. I'm adding the reads because I noticed that I've been collecting a lot of these articles that people write on Althea or other various platforms, and I want to bring them to your attention because a lot of people like reading Catholic articles and so forth. So you can listen to this podcast to get a little bit of a a teaser about it. And then hopefully maybe they'll call you to go forth and to read it. Maybe then you'll start following these pages and then you'll see the articles yourself even before you see them or hear about them on this podcast. So as we turn to our trending Marian tweets, topics, and reads, the first tweet that I saw came from Father Jason Worthily. He said this, Years ago I preached about the prayer of the rosary. At the end of Mass, an elderly man approached me. He opened his hand, showed me a set of rosary beads, and said, I was captured by the Nazis and a prisoner in Germany. I prayed the rosary every single day. This was my strength. What a beautiful testimony that he gives to us to emphasize what the rosary meant in the life of that individual and how it really sustained them, especially in the most darkest time in history, the most dark time of this person's life. Continually, they sought the intercession of Mary. Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Of course, maybe that person who was captured by the Nazis thought that that hour of death was near and always praying that Mary would be there and interceding for him or her. So if you don't pray the rosary, we're going to talk about Fatima later today. I'd encourage you to maybe try to start praying the rosary because you'll see just like this man did how important and what it did for him, that it was his strength during those difficult moments. Hannah Brockhaus uh, shared this tweet. Today I stopped in a church to pray and I started to tell Mary about how I wanted to pray the rosary more, but often lack motivation. Within moments, a little old Italian grandma approached me and asked me if I would pray the rosary with her. Well played, Mary. Well played. What a beautiful testimony again that a person said, I think I need to pray the rosary more. And then that opportunity came knocking at the door for her. 
think that happens a lot sometimes when we pray about certain things. Of course, there's always uh, the little joke people make that if you pray for patience, God is going to send you those things that will test your patience. So really, um, I think we do see this, that when we pray, sometimes that prayer is immediately answered, that God gives us that opportunity. And so we see it as really the fulfillment of God's will in our life. Again, maybe you want to be like Hannah. We talked about the the Nazi uh, person who was uh, captured by the Nazis. Well, and how the rosary sustained them. Maybe the rosary can sustain us. And maybe we should, like Hannah, say that I want to pray the rosary more. This month of Mary, this month of May is a good time to do so. Today, May 13th, the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima, a good day to renew our devotion to the rosary. Mary said in Fatima, pray the rosary every day. It's really the key to uh, happiness and peace. And you'll see that if you give the rosary a chance. Let us look at a few of the Marian reads that I mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast. I saw that on Catholic Digest, a periodical that I contribute to in print and online, or Father David Enders wrote an article called Virgin and Mother of God, in which he tackles some of the Protestant objections to the Blessed Mother. Of course, the title, Virgin and Mother of God, you know, these things seem to be contradictory, that they're paradoxical. How can this be? How can a virgin also be mother? But this is what God does in the life of the Blessed Mother. So Father David Enders brings out this uh, for us. Phil Kozlowski for Alethea wrote two different articles that I noticed this week. The first one was promoting the devotion of the Crown of Twelve Stars devotion. I really hadn't heard of it. I I'm familiar, of course, with Mary's 12 stars. We see it in the book of Revelation, uh, in Mary's apparitions. She appears with stars around her head and so forth. But there's a devotion to the crown of 12 stars. And uh, if you've never prayed it like me, maybe you want to go check it out, learn about it. Maybe it's something to integrate every now and again. I don't think it doesn't have to be a daily devotion for you. But if it's something that maybe you learn about and you're like, oh, this is a very beautiful Marian devotion. That's the beauty of Mary and devotion. That's why we have this podcast, How They Love Mary, because by having all these different devotions, not any, not every person is going to be devoted to the Blessed Mother in the very same way. So everybody's going to have a unique devotion. They're all going to come together and we'll see it. And it's beautiful. And uh, if one devotion isn't for you, well, then there's another one out there. Another article that Phil Kozlowski shared was... Uh, the story of Pont Maine, a Marian apparition that took place in France. And Phil Kozlowski shares about how it stopped the Prussian War. This apparition of Our Lady was very unique. It was seen by the children. I've been to Pont Maine. It's a very beautiful church there, be- very beautiful uh, basilica church. If it's not a basilica, it's very big. In fact, I wondered, like, is this church needed? You know, of course we need it because of the apparition, but do they fill it? Is it a, a- Great place of devotion. I was there during the off season, and so I was one of the very few people who were in Pont, who were in Pont, Maine that day. What I think we see here, because of course, again, talking about Fatima today, Our Lady of Fatima said, pray the rosary every day for peace in the world. She talked about future wars if we didn't pray, if we didn't listen to her message. Mary appears because she desires peace in the world. And so even in Pont, Maine, by her apparition, the peace that she brought 
And so um, that's something we really need to be aware of and to really pray for. Another article on Althea came from Larry Peterson, who we referenced last week also, who wrote that article on Our Lady of America. This week he shares about the first apparition of Our Lady and how it was a bi-location. That's called Our Lady of Pil- uh, that's called Our Lady of the Pillar. Our Lady appeared uh, to Saint James. It said uh, in Spain as a way to encourage him that he had become disheartened in his missionary efforts. And so Mary bilocates. She's still alive, but she comes to St. James in order to encourage him and inspire him in his missionary zeal. Lastly, the website Catholic Exchange, Thomas Griffin, a writer there, he wrote an article called Mary is the Walking Equal Sign. That was a very interesting title. Of course, when we talk about the Blessed Mother, uh, there's lots of different ways that we can look at her. And while probably there's nothing new under the sun, there are new ways to look at it and new ways of understanding. And sometimes an interesting take comes our way. And that was the case for Thomas Griffin as his title caught my eye. And it was something that I definitely wanted to take a look at and see how he was reflecting about the Blessed Mother in that context. I'd also be remiss in this podcast if I didn't address the issue of Medjugorje. Uh, you can read my piece on Catholic Digest that will be published today on May 13th about the apparition of Our Lady at Medjugorje. There was breaking news uh, this past weekend on Sunday morning. I woke up and I had all these alerts on my phone from people and people were trying to get in touch with me. And it was because um, the papal envoy who's been there in the village of Medjugorje at this Marian apparition site or alleged apparition site – Ongoing apparitions for almost 40 years now, daily apparitions, totaling over 13,000 apparitions for one individual alone. So uh, what happened that day was the papal nuncio was there and also um, the papal envoy, and they made a statement saying that the Holy Father was going to authorize pilgrimages to Medjugorje. might seem a bit odd. You might say, well, haven't there been pilgrimages to Medjugorje for the past you know, several years, for the past 30 years. I know lots of people who went to Medjugorje. I myself went to Medjugorje at the age of 16 and 19. Very influential uh, impact on my life, I would have to say. Yes. And so people have gone on pilgrimage all the time, but there wasn't the ability to go on an official pilgrimage. So I'm a pastor of a parish or actually an administrator of a parish, and I'm leading a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. I'm associating my name with it. I'm promoting it in my parish. Now, when it comes to Medjugorje, you couldn't have an official pilgrimage. I couldn't say, Father Edward Looney is leading a pilgrimage to Medjugorje. Now, there were these nuances. Father Edward Looney is going to be the spiritual director for a trip to Medjugorje, but it was promoted by a pilgrim company, and everything wasn't official in terms of the Catholic Church promoting it. Now, to be Quite clear, I've never led a pilgrimage to Medjugorje as a priest, okay? And uh, in the discipline of Marian theology or Mariology, Medjugorje is very controversial. It's a very hot topic. It's very divisive. People have very strong opinions. Sometimes those opinions are based upon emotion, that they've had a very powerful experience. And so it's not even fathomable to even think, well, is this apparition a fraud? Is it not real? You know, people don't want to think about that. And um, so there's the emotion that is attached to it. There's a lot of good things that have come from Medjugorje, the fruit of Medjugorje, vocations, conversions, confessions, people returning to the sacraments, a lot of good there. 
So what's so divisive? I think it comes down to the fact that the apparitions have been going on for so long. Some people say, why would Mary appear for so long? In Fatima, she appeared from May to October once a month. The messages were very simple. And here we have books of messages that Our Lady has given to the visionaries over the many years of these apparitions. There's also been a question of obedience. The local bishop has asked uh, the visionaries to do certain things uh, throughout the time, and really there was this act of disobedience. Of course, that was kind of taken away from the control of the local bishop, so I'd be remiss not to acknowledge that. But, you know, there was always this tension between the local church and the apparitions. So that's another aspect. Some people are always troubled that none of the visionaries became priests or religious. I don't know if that's a valid critique. I think that definitely, you know, we see that St. Bernadette becomes a religious sister. Sister uh, Lucia, the Fatima visionary, becomes a sister. So we do see that in terms of Marian apparitions. But, you know, we're living in an age and Vatican II really emphasized the laity. And maybe this was the state in which these individuals, these visionaries were called to live out their life in the church as holy lay people. So Medjugorje is very controversial. Um Check out my piece on Catholic Digest. Um, and if you've had a powerful experience in Medjugorje, that's wonderful. I had a powerful experience in Medjugorje. Uh, I do have some doubts about the apparition as I've studied it more. And I, I believe for sure that Mary appeared in the very beginning. I can't believe that six children or five children would concoct this uh, plot or plan that Our Lady appeared. I've seen videos, too, where they all knelt at the same time. Now, some people would dismiss it and say, well, there are ways that you can make people simultaneously do an action through hypnosis or, or whatever. But uh, that was very compelling to me. Even the story, I think, of us, Father Yozo, who really doubted the apparitions in the very beginning, was the pastor of the church there, and how... Uh, they were having their visions, and one day he, it is believed, saw Our Lady as well. And uh, you, you could see that, I guess, or that's how the story has been recounted. So I really do believe that in the very beginning, I want to believe the apparitions are still ongoing because I don't know what it would mean if they're not. Like, are you still perpetuating this? And if you are, well, then all of us have been duped that have been there. And so um, I want to believe the apparitions are still ongoing uh, but then there are times, and I say this all the time, that there are weird things that I, I think are associated with Medjugorje, it's weird things that come out. Uh, I remember a number of years ago, it's probably about six years, eight years ago now, there was this glowing statue of the Virgin Mary in one of the visionaries' homes, and everybody was standing outside the home of the visionary, and I thought it was a little weird, to be completely honest. And so there are those weird things as well. The fact about any Marian apparition. I talk about Marian apparitions all the time. You don't have to believe in them. So if Medjugorje isn't your cup of tea or coffee, well, you don't need to believe in Medjugorje. You don't have to follow its message. Its message, though, does seem to be part of the gospel, calling to conversion. That's another thing about Medjugorje. There are some questions individuals have about doctrine, whether or not some of the apparitions and the messages maybe contradict church doctrine. So that's another issue there at stake. But for the most part, prayer, fasting, going to Mass, reading the Scriptures, very good messages, good reminders in the spiritual life. But it, maybe you love Our Lady of Fatima. Maybe you love Our Lady of Lourdes. There's an apparition. If you want to follow an apparition, there's an apparition out there for you. The fact is, is all they're supposed to do is help us to love God. 
And if that's what these messages are doing, well, then we're doing that. Then it's just right for us. Sorry to go on a big rant there. Uh, let's take a break now. We'll listen to some music from Anna Nuzo, and then we'll speak with Father Francisco Pereira about the message of Our Lady of Fatima. Stay tuned. I'm very excited to be speaking with Father Francisco Pereira, who is one of the chaplains in Fatima, Portugal, at the Marian Shrine, commemorating the 1917 Marian apparition. And so as we converse today, maybe to start off, maybe could you just share a little bit about yourself? Well, um, I'm a priest, a diocesan priest from the Diocese of Lady Fatima, where the, the shrine is uh, situated. Um, I was ordained in 1997. I was my first three years was as a military chaplain in the Portuguese Air Force, and then I was a parish priest for seven years. And now I'm chaplain, one of the twelve chaplains that uh, in the Shrine of Fatima for twelve years. So I started as a um, director of uh, liturgy and master of ceremonies. And now I work in the pastoral of the Message of Fatima with the young adults, children, and sick people to promote and talk and give talks and about the Message of Fatima retreats also. Why do you think your bishop appointed you to be one of the chaplains at the at the shrine there? Well, because I since the beginning I was very devout from Our Lady of Fatima. And uh, I have this capable, capability to, to work with liturgy and organize everything. And so he invited me to come to help to, to organize the liturgy department. And now the um, director asked me to, to help in this area of promoting the message of Fatima in the shrine and to the, the English pilgrims that we have. They are increasing in numbers, so we must uh, um, provide for more uh, profound uh, development of the message for the English-speaking uh, pilgrims. And how long do you expect maybe to be assigned there? Who knows? Well, um, last year, the, the, my bishop nominated me for six more years and automatically renewed for six more, so... Uh, more 10 years, I hope that I will continue to, to, to work at the Shrine of Fatima. And what's it like for you to work there at such a holy place uh, and to welcome all these pilgrims? How does that affect you spiritually and ministerially as a priest? It's very, uh, a very big responsibility 
and affects me because when I, I see the, the, the pilgrims who are coming from far and next near and but we that are living there today every day every day every masses rosaries um, we can start to feel almost like uh, a business like uh, uh, these bureaucrats who are <laughs> working and everything is the same every but when we see the pilgrims who are coming with so many experience with so many personal um, cases of of conversions of uh, spiritual path that they are having we is humbling for us because we we know that we are in a special place and we must every day look for the pilgrim that we have in front of us and their needs not what we want to say or not that but what we must say to them to answer to their to their path and the message of fatima must always be tailored to the needs of the people who are coming and that's a, a, a important challenge for us because we must every day study continue to study the message of fatima continuing to to profound and enlarge the scope of the message of Fatima. So we cannot sit uh, at the shadow and letting the, the things develop, but, but we must every day challenge ourselves and find newer meanings, find a deeper meaning of the message of Fatima, uh, because the world is changing, the pilgrims are changing. The pilgrims that uh, we have now are very different from the pilgrims that we have Ten years ago, so easily, sure. and so we need always to be attentive to to study more, to pray more, also, and to give the the pilgrims who are coming to be faithful uh, to the message of Fatima in this time of need of the church. One of the highlights of a Fatima pilgrimage, I think, is participating, much like they have in Lourdes, participating in a candlelight procession. And yours begins, I think, at 9 o'clock in the evening. 9.30. 9.30. Very late. I remember that. (laughs) But dinner was very late, uh, I remember as well. So what's what's the story behind doing the the candlelight procession? How did that begin so many years ago? Well, it began because Our Lady, since the first apparition, asked the children to pray the rosary every day. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, and in the shrine, since the beginnings, we start to pray the rosary every day. But what happened was that, especially in the main uh, pilgrimages in the 30th day, the people arrive earlier. They arrive in the, in the, in the eve of the apparition, mm. and of the celebration. And they stayed the night praying. So we started to end the, the, the 12th day, with the rosary and the candlelight procession, because they have no no external light, because it's night, is in the middle of the fields, right like here in Champion, we are here in the middle of the fields, and Fatima is also in the middle of uh, of the the fields. So the people brought their their candles to light the prayer, to say that so that they can see the surroundings, and they start to make this procession with the statue of Our Lady going around the shrine. And that's this nightly prayer 
start to grow and grow and now is one of the most important uh, moments of the day this this and because Christ is the light of the world mm -hmm. that's also this meaning that we are illuminated by Christ even because when we pray the rosary we pray to God through Mary but to God what do you think is one of the most important aspects of the Fatima message is twofold um, is the prayer for the conversion uh, f uh, for the conversion of sinners pray the rosary for the peace in the world especially our lady asked in every apparition pray the rosary for peace in the world and the second aspect is um, offering our life as a reparation for the sins as a, a consolation to god uh, for the sins of the world that's these two aspects Pray and offering sacrifices, offering our life as Christ in the cross, as Christ in his life, giving himself for the others. So, and, and these sacrifices is the, the simplest thing in our life. When we are doing our work, we do our work um, convict that uh, we are contributing for the good of the world. We, the sufferings in our relation with others, that the people, the neighbor that is not very nice, that is vengeful and talking lies about me or about, and I forget, I try to offer this sacrifice to accept the difficulties of, of our life and as accepting the natural challenges that we find every day. That's these sacrifices that we can make in every situation that we are. When we are sick in bed, when we are working, tired, and when we are with our families and try to organize everything, every aspect of life have difficulties. And so if we leave these difficulties, not with anger, not with... Um, Uh, with uh, this meaning of there is no other solution. No, we offer these difficulties for love, for love to God, especially, and for love to the people that are around us. Uh, another popular apparition, in addition mm -hmm. to Fatima, ha happened in Lourdes, France in 1858. And of course, Lourdes is very much associated with this grace of healing, that there was this miraculous spring of water that was Uh, unveiled and uncovered, and now many people bathe in that water, and there are these healings. So I'd like to call that one of the graces of Lourdes. And we're here at Champion, and in a new book that I'm coming out with this fall, uh, I talk about the graces of Champion as being conversion and catechesis and renewal of sacramental life and a few others. So what do you think one of the graces or the grace of Fatima is for the pilgrim? Is the conversion, personal conversion. We have so many people who are going to Fatima, almost as tourists, and they go, they go to the, the little chapel, mm -hmm. and they stay there for moments, and then they go to the confessional to sure. reconcile with God. And in some cases, we have people who are not confessing for 30, 40 years, They left church almost, and they arrived to near the, the priest. And even the people say, "I, I do not know how I am, how, how and why I'm here, but uh, I, I have uh, this call in my heart to come confession to confession. Sure. I do not know how to confess myself, but help me." 
to make a confession. And that's this, this conversion that we find in every moment. People who are not uh, practicing Catholics, people who are not in the path of salvation, and arriving to Fatima, going to the little chapel and praying to Our Lady, and they feel this need to convert, to go to sure. confession. And that's, I, I think that is the most important aspect of, of Fatima. These miracles are daily miracles of conversions. Uh, we have not many uh, healing miracles like in Lourdes or here, but we have these spiritual healing miracles. Uh, Beautiful. And I think that is the, the most important thing that we can find in Fatima. And as a priest, for me, is very moving to be in the confessional for two or three years for in a day and hear this this renewal of people who are coming sure. and uh, heavy with, with with their problems and their sins and and walking out completely lifted mm-hmm. by the grace of God. Yeah, I've served actually as an auxiliary confessor in Lourdes uh, for the pilgrims that come during the season. I'll go for about five to ten days and hear confessions. And uh, that's one of the things that always struck me. It's People come because Our Lady appeared. They want to see the grotto. They want to go to the water. But once they spend time with Our Lady, as you said at the at the Cova de Iria, for example, that uh, they have this compelling notion that I have to go to confession. So they come for Mary, and she introduces them to Jesus. So it's a a very beautiful thing that I think happens in all the Marian shrines and and apparitions. Now. Fatima celebrated its 100th anniversary uh, in 2017. And, of course, that brought the message of Fatima back to the forefront. Lots of people were talking about the message of Fatima. What do you think one of the great fruits of the 100th anniversary was? Uh, one of the great fruits is was to to renew the, this path of conversion because especially when Our Lady asked to the children to consecrate the world and consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary because of the dangers of communism, who started right in 1917, this, this, uh, this wall that uh, spread in the world in the occidental, uh, uh, oriental part of Europe, this um, iron curtain that covered Europe, half of Europe, and... When the, the wall, the Berlin Wall, fall in 89 and the communist regimes fall in Poland and Hungary, and uh, we, we can, the, many people thought, well, Fatima is, is resolved, is, the communist countries sure. have fallen. But now we are finding that there is another uh, ideologies who goes against God and against mankind who are Resurfacing, and we are, we, and Fatima is need now because of these new ideologies of materialism, relativism, uh, uh, esoterism, and uh, and so we must keep uh, presenting the, the the gospel, keep presenting Jesus Christ as the true savior of the people. Is not the economy is not money, is not this uh, personal ideology of um, uh, individualism, uh, but is living in in the church, is living, um, obeying to the message of the gospel, 
the 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 Ten Commandments and the the message of love and hope especially, and sure. we see that the people are losing hope, and they try to to do everything and they find try to find hope in in drugs in sex and in these these material um, goods, but they are searching searching and they cannot find in in the materialism. So they must we must present. Um, God as a true foundation of man. And Fatima is this uh, way to find, because Mary lived uh, this communion with God. His, his heart is truly immaculate because he's, he's habitated by God. God lives in the heart of Mary and lives in our heart, if you like, and if we sure. open our heart to God, um, like Mary. So, Now, the message of Fatima is important because the man must find their true root and the true meaning of life in Jesus. Uh, and Mary is the mother who takes us by the hand and leads us to Jesus. And now more than ever, in this, now we say, well, we are living now the second centennial. Yes. And we must, of the message of Fatima, and we must keep going And the, the, the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary is the same that the triumph of Christ in the cross. So the, the redemption, the culminating of the redemption of Christ, we cannot say this tomorrow or yesterday. Or is the every time that one person receives God and try to live a life of holiness, That's when the triumph of uh, Mary's heart and the triumph of Christ in the cross happens, okay. when we let ourselves be guided by God. When I first studied the Fatima message and apparition and everything, one of the things that I found most troubling, you know, this mm -hmm. is uh, a confession here, is that, um, you know, the Francisco, Jacinta, Lucia, they, they ask Our Lady, what about Amelia? And Our mm -hmm. Lady says she'll be in purgatory until... Some translations say the end of the world, but it's come to my attention that the critical documents say for a very long time. Yes. So, so we can hope that Amelia is already enjoying the beatific vision in heaven. Yes, but we must know that the time in heaven is not like our time. Mm -hmm. Correct, yes. And, and now this new... the the. Theory of relativity that the, the the black hole that the the, the the they found and even scientifically we know that time is relative and so and in heaven there is no time that's right mm -hmm. there is no space and there is no time is absolute communion with God and so for us it can be a thousand years or twenty years or a million years but in heaven is now is the present and constant mm -hmm. now. So, uh, and even the purgatory, we know that the people who are in the purgatory are preparing themselves to go to heaven. So, they are going to heaven. And they are not lost. Mm -hmm. the, the, the only ones who are lost at, are the ones who went to hell. Sure. So, the purgatory is already, and even this, and... Well, we can we can compare the purgatory 
to the situation that we have a, a very good friend or a person that we love and we know that this per I'm will meeting this person tomorrow. And the day from today till tomorrow or till next week that because I know that he is coming mm -hmm. and this expectation this this and when we we when we read I'm remembering when we read the little prince of Antoine Saint Exupéry, the meeting of the prince with the fox, and this talk that the fox have about captivity and and the the I I do not know how the, to to say in English, but this the waiting, sure. the, the 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 longing, the, the longing, or, yeah. and purgatory is this. I know that I will meet with God, so I'm waiting with uh, happily hope. This this meeting, so that's purgatory is not not a place of uh, of um, of sadness because I'm not with God. No, it's a place of preparation because I know that I'm meeting God, mm -hmm. and this hope is growing and growing and growing even more. You mentioned as we talked about purgatory, you know, of course, the last things, uh, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. You mentioned hell and. That's uh, one of the, I think, one of the beautiful aspects of the Fatima message um, in terms of the prayer that Our Lady teaches after the rosary. Oh, my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell. So we're praying that we'll be spared the fires mm -hmm. of hell and lead all souls to heaven. And so that's really our prayer. And I think that captures this longing that even right now we want to be in heaven. We don't want to lose heaven. We want to live with that expectation mm -hmm. Why should somebody go to Fatima? So I'm sure people always say that in your life, you have to go to the Holy Land. Go and see the places where Jesus walked. But of course, there's all these other religious destinations, pilgrimage places. So why do you think uh, someone from the United States, for example, should make a pilgrimage to Fatima? Well, um, I think that uh, because Fatima uh, is a place where we can find, through Mary the simplest way to reach holiness because the, we can see the life testimony of the children and find that the, the holiness can be reached in this uh, humble and common life. And Pope Francis, in his last encyclical, he wrote about, about sainthood. Mm -hmm. He told this mi um, middle-class sainthood of, of the, a mother who goes to shop who re reaches home and and puts the the the, the products that she bought to listen the the their child. So that's this holiness that we reach in our work and our uh, daily life in our domestic life. And in Fatima, we we understand this this simplicity of of holiness, not and. The most important thing is making the walk and being there, being there to to let us let ourselves be touched by the grace of of Our Lady, by this tenderness and and by this love, motherly love that Mary has for us, and so being seated right in front of the little chapel and being there in silence almost alone because sometimes there is not many people there and it's perfect and uh, when i go there almost every day when i sit 
uh, and stay just for five minutes. I, I don't. Much of the time, I do not say nothing. I just say there, sharing sure. to Mary, to Mary, and filling myself with this grace and peace. And everybody who goes to Fatima finds a peace there. Yes, peace in their hearts. And that, I think that that's the most important thing to find peace, and then to bring this 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 peace for their families, for their work, for their co-workers and their lives. How is the process for Lucia de los Santos, her cause for canonization? Is it proceeding? It's proceeding. Now it's in Rome for analysis from the Congregation for the Cause of Saints. But she lived 96 years. And there's a lot there. And there's a lot. She wrote so much. Yes. Not Not only the memoirs, not only his spiritual testament, not only uh, these, uh, the, the, the appeals of the message of Fatima, but she wrote so many letters for bishops, for, for the popes, for cardinals. Sure. But also for humble people. She almost uh, wrote back most of the times, and they, she had something to say to the, to the people that she wrote to her. So all these documents... 20, uh, I think that the, the number of documents is 50,000 oh, wow. documents that they, they gathered for, for the process. So it's boxes and boxes of documentation. Reviewing it. And so they are reviewing that documentation. Sure. World Youth Day, I believe, is going to be in Lisbon. Yes. Um, is there any special plans in Fatima for World Youth Day when that happens? Well, um, we know that um, the promoter of the, the event said that Fatima it will have an um, uh, important role in the Youth Day, but they are starting now to organize, so we, we do not know yet what... We, we, we know that Fatima will be important. It will be a place for the previous meetings mm -hmm. before the world event, sure. but we don't know for sure yet what uh, in, in concrete what will be done Both. there. But... If you need any help, you can sign me up. I'll okay. <laughs> help in any way. Um, maybe just lastly, as uh, we're here in Champion at this apparition site of 1859, and you've been here at least one other time yes. I, I know of, and there's a special mm -hmm. Fatima Day that's happening soon. And um, what's your impressions of the Champion Shrine and the apparition, the story? Mm -hmm. I think that is uh, very important and very meaningful. Also, is the message is all. Always the same is the gospel yes. message: convert, turn to God, learn to live. And but here, I think that is it was important this appeal together, all the people that are spread around this area, this mm -hmm. in times of frontier land almost, yes. and this bringing together the people. That's uh, uh, to build uh, to build the church, to build these people of God, this this community. And I think that that's the most important thing. And now, in this time and place of individualism, of um, almost uh, separation, uh, polarizing aspects in every aspect of, the, of our life, we are seeing that the people are extremely pol polarized, antagonistic always. Mm. Uh, in, in, we see this in, in the social media, in, in the news. And so, this message of... Uh, gathering together of union of congregation to to learn to learn the catechism to learn the sacraments to live 
the sacraments. That's I think that's even now it's very important for sure. for this community around us. I'd like to now just move into what I call the Marian profile. Just a few quick questions, just to understand your own Marian devotion. Mm -hmm. So, what is your favorite title of the Blessed Mother? Our Lady of Fatima. Sure. And uh, how about a favorite Marian prayer? Hail Mary. And uh, a sacramental. So, of course, people might wear a miraculous medal or mm -hmm. scapular. Is there any sacramental that you make use of? Well, the, the rosary, and I, I have always the, the rosary with me. I, sure. I, I'm always with the you rosary. You don't leave home without it. Yes. People find the rosary sometimes difficult. They think that it's repetitive. You know, they, sometimes they don't think they meditate. Do you have a rosary tip to help people pray it well, better? Just pray the rosary. Just uh, pray it's it. 12 minutes prayer uh, because when we you pray even when you think about other things you put these other things in your prayers and we pray for it so keep praying is your favorite marian apparition fatima yes of course <laughs> and uh, there are lots of marian shrines though that aren't necessarily associated with apparitions is there any other marian shrine maybe in portugal or elsewhere in the world that that you like love um, well, uh, we have one in Portugal to the Immaculate, uh, uh, to the Assumption of Mary in, in Braga. Okay. Is um, Samairo. And I recall Lourdes and Loreto. Sure. How about a, a favorite Marian scripture passage? Um, the, 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 the Anuncian. Okay. Uh, I'm the servant of the Lord. Sure. Uh, of course, uh, I always ask people about a Marian book recommendation, but uh, yours would probably be in Portuguese or something, but is there a book about Mary that you'd recommend? Well, the memoirs of Cecil Lucia are, are sure. translated in, in English and so many other languages, so that's, and is available in in uh, PDF also in the site of the, okay. of the Little Shepherd, so it's easier to reach, uh, and I, that's the one that I uh, recommend. In Fatima, they sing many Marian songs, I'm sure. Is there a favorite Marian song of yours? Um, the Wavet Fatima, the, the song yeah. that yeah, everybody yeah. sings in the yeah. procession, and the Hail Holy Queen in, in Latin, oh, Salve sure. Regina, sure. that we sing at the end of the, of the Rosary, and for me is two of the best songs to marry. Well, very good. Well, I thank you so much, Father Pereira, thank you. for joining me. And uh, also, I'd like to extend a special thank you to Anna Nuzo for the music used in our podcast today. You've been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a weekly podcast that will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. You can follow me, Father Edward Looney, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at fr edward looney L-O-O-N-E-Y. You can now subscribe to this podcast on all the podcast platforms. And if you don't mind, please leave a review so others can find it too. Until next week, let us remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.